Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to the London News Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com to get notified on the latest Chelsea gear releases. Nike Hicks coming. Um, back at it again for this midweek podcast are my co-hosts Dan and Nick. Gentlemen, we weren't able to get rowdy like last weekend, but did everyone else let out a slight yell when Hazard scored? Nick, I mean, what, what's the protocol on that? Uh, the protocol is that you, you know, obviously, you know, for, for those in the States, you figure out ways to, to make the, the viewing experience as, as good as possible. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes you have to go into a, a padded room and yell for, you know, 20 seconds or so. And then you come out refreshed and that's just how it works. Yeah, padded room makes it sound like it's an insane asylum. And, uh, you know, given the you know way we played this season uh, you, you might have to be insane if you thought about being first at this point in the season given everything that happened last year so that, that makes a lot of sense Nick. yeah i mean don't let the rage stay within brandon i think you need to just let it out well you know 
We don't want to wait too long because, as Dan tweeted out earlier tonight, says buzzing to record after today's win. It's been a great week for Blues supporters so far. To which, at Mr. Chelsea Blue responds, don't make us wait for too long. The number four and the number two being used so cleverly there. As long as we win the games four to two for the rest of the season, I am totally cool with that becoming a thing. Yep. Thumbs up to this uh, Mr. Chelsea Blue. That was uh, a nice little nice little addition to the beginning of the script. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So thank you for being clever and witty. Uh, but we do not have iTunes reviews this week, Dan. But what do we have? Well, we don't have any because it was, again, short turnaround time. You know, not a lot of time to regain that match fitness. Uh, but we are, you know, I think just want to say a thank you to all the people that have left reviews so far. We're up to 128 reviews in the U.S. store, 29 in the U.K. store, 9 in Canada. Uh, those are the, the three top stores for, for iTunes reviews for the London's Blue podcast. And, uh, you know, we'd love to, uh, to round those numbers off a little bit. You know, 130 in the U.S. sounds pretty good. 30 in the U.K., 10 in Canada. So uh, love to see, uh, you know, kind of a global effort this week to uh, kind of drive some up there. Remember, we will give you a shout-out next week on the pod after the Everton match if you leave us an iTunes review. Super simple. It helps us out a lot just so other Chelsea fans can find us. But you know what? We have to get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast Very American saying, I know. But we have a really, really quick, exciting announcement for you guys before we jump in. So here we go. Hey, everyone. Uh, we have worked with World Soccer Shop to to help honor John Terry uh, as he as he um, kind of ends his stay with the club after 22 years. And what we're doing is we're giving away a John Terry jersey in the size of, of the winner's choice um, home kit uh, for uh, doing a simple task. Dan, could, could you possibly jump in and tell the folks what to do and, and how to reach us? Yeah, you got 140 characters in the wonderful land of Twitter. You got an opportunity to use all of those characters at your disposal to to talk about what it means, you know, what John Terry means to you, and uh, you know what you'd like to wish a, a goodbye message to be. And as long as you tag, uh, you know, at World Soccer Shop and then at London Blue Pod on Twitter, you can just go to even our Twitter account and just reply to the the. You know, the tweet there um, with your little ode to JT. We would love to uh, potentially select one individual to get a wonderful John Terry kit, uh, the last official kit that we, he will have as a Chelsea player. Yeah, so just one example of, of what you may what you may say roses are red his uniform is blue he earned his stripes and his respect a great lad and a great leader forever go Chelsea go by Lenax Bay. So there you go. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be a rhyming poem, Dan. I think it can be something uh, maybe in haiku form as, we, as we've received thus far. So all you have to do, go to World Soccer or go to uh, our Twitter page at London Blue Pod, tag World Soccer Shop, tag us, and, uh, and let us know how you feel. Dan, put all the feels out there. Yeah, you know, we, we want to feel the love and we want to send that love to JT. And uh, we want you to feel the love from us, World Soccer Shop. Get yourself a nice little JT kit. All right, let's go ahead and break down the Southampton FC match. Premier League action, as we all know, back at Stamford Bridge. It was this past Tuesday, April 25th. In case you missed it, Blues Fort Saints 2. Dan, lineup time. Talk about just. 
throwing your toys out the pram, starting over. I mean, I didn't even recognize this team, Dan. Oh, no. You know, you think uh, Courtois, you know, definitely recovered uh, from uh, those those three-point drills that he had. <laughs> As for Quetta, Luis Cahill comes back. Happy tummy once again. You have Victor Moses and Golo Conte and Imani Matic. Alonzo, so you think you're going to see a little Pedro Hazard Costa up top. Wrong. It's a little Cesc Fabregas, Eden Hazard, Diego Costa up top. So there's a little bit of change. Surprise throwing Cesc onto the pitch, too. Uh, you saw Pedro Williams kind of flex the the bench but pedro comes on the 77th minute william makes an appearance in the very kind of dying moments of the game and uh, john terry gets run out for a wonderful bit of applause before uh, these last couple games kind of roll out talk about power from the bench nick again terry uh you know pedro uh, Batshuayi, who obviously started, Begovic, uh, William, all on the bench. Uh, even you throw in Ake, who had a good 90 minutes uh, last weekend as well. Um, you know, Conte kind of tweaking things here as the season wraps up. Yeah, this made sense. I mean, I think the, the lineup was, was kind of an indication uh, based on who played Saturday and who needed some more rest on a short turnaround. And, you know, I think that, you know, this is is maybe a preview of what we're going to see next year when we have, you know, multiple games in a week, almost every week. So um, all, all expected from, from my side. Uh, glad that, that Sess got a start and that he was able to kind of find more space in that advanced role. And, uh, yeah, I think it was just a, a really solid uh, decision by Conte. All right, we've got a lot of goals to go through. Uh, Dan, I promise you won't have to go through all of Southampton's. Um, Thank goodness. But we do. We have a lot. We have another six-goal thriller. So fifth minute, we didn't have to wait too long for our hero to strike. Uh, and Diego Costa took the ball deep into the Saints' box. He did a good job at running at their back line today. Uh, picked up his head and found Eden Hazard charging across. Um, he actually had a lot of space while he's in the box. I mean, it's Eden Hazard, people. You should probably mark him. Uh, thankfully, though, he just lashed his cross, or I'm sorry, his shot across Forster's goal and continues this bit of a goal streak, Nick. Some more late season heroics from Eden. Yeah, this again, uh, from, from starting the match, um, you, you know, we, we needed. We needed a spark early. I, f- I felt like there might be an emotional hangover going into this match. And when you looked at, uh, you know, just Diego getting an assist first and foremost, and, and that interchange kind of reigniting after being doled for a few weeks, uh, this was an incredibly important goal. Uh, Hazard just continuing his, his fine form at the end of the season. And uh, I think it, it it really calmed the the crowd down um, and and made kind of everyone take a deep breath. Twenty fourth minute, Oriol Romeu continues the trend of Chelsea letting former players score on us. As well, Chelsea struggled to clear a corner kick. The ball lands perfectly, literally, you know, after a little passing and jostling around at Romeu's feet for an easy tap in Dan. Yeah, you know, you think Courtois is going to close down on uh, Gabbiadini and the ball just kind of nicks by him there in the box. Romeo is kind of there to to jump on in. You know, just a bad clearance on on a corner kick that really did not set us up in a great position. You know, no one had marked Gabbiadini there to to knock the ball really into Romeo's path. And just unfortunate. And I think, you know, something we'll have to talk about is, you know, our inability to, to not just keep a clean sheet, but really to look 
look stable on set pieces has not been something that uh, has probably been a positive point of conversation as Conte talks about the many great things the team is doing right now. Uh, it's one area where we continue to to struggle right now. Well, 45th minute plus one extra time of the first half. Captain Cahill to the rescue as Chelsea took advantage of Southampton's own inability to clear a corner. Uh, Cahill did a really good job of staying with the play, stayed up in the box the whole time, uh, and then even got himself into a dangerous position where he smashed home Alonso's cross uh, right before halftime. Nick, obviously Diego Costa going for the theatrics with the bicycle kick, but Captain Cahill said, nah, we're doing this the proper way. I actually think he, if you looked at his face later in the match, I think he might have caught, <laughs> caught a little bit of Costa, uh, on his, on his forehead. You, you saw some, uh, a large lump there. But, um, yeah, this was, uh, you know, when you think of defining moments of the season, uh, this feels like one of those to me. I, I think that, you know, especially it was important for him to come back, uh, Kale to come back and have a great performance. Uh, he does pop up with goals uh, from time to time. So this wasn't totally unexpected. And, you know, we haven't been super efficient heading the ball in the goal this year, but uh, he does possess that threat. And especially after getting roasted on set pieces, it was nice to kind of give it back uh, to Southampton a little bit. Uh, very important goal on the stroke of halftime. I think this was was maybe one of those moments that we'll look back on and, and think that's where the, the title was won. Thankfully, the next goal was not a Saints goal, and we don't have to do the same song and dance as we did Saturday. But 53rd minute. Thank goodness. I know. Diego, 50 goals Costa, finds his scoring form again, Dan, when he was able to score a headed goal. Yes, that's right. He headed the ball in. Again, this came from another corner kick. Hazard and Fabregas absolutely just tooled the Saints defenders that uh, tried to stop them from playing short. And again, Costa was able to uh, pretty much body up, or I guess hold off Ryan Bertrand at the far post. Yeah, but Bertrand uh, definitely ran a, a very tight, uh, walked very closely to the edge of uh, being cautioned very early in the game with some of the plays he had on Moses and Costa. And, uh, you know, Costa used all that physical body strength and, and got the goal that we've all been wanting to see from him for quite some time. And it was uh, it was a beauty. You know, you, you like to see him score. He doesn't awfully, often score a header. You know, we know more for, you know, kind of using his feet to put the goal into the box. But just another really, really great moment. And, you know, good to see him get number 50. 89th minute, Diego on the double. Nick, what a fantastic goal that brought back memories of the unbeaten run from earlier this season. Uh, Costa was a lot more active about getting involved, you know, back then. And this time he was able to combine with combine with both Hazard and Pedro. Yeah, a fantastic team goal. I think that he did very well footwork-wise to get in a position to score this goal. And it actually reminded me a lot of the goal that Hazard scored against um, Everton, uh, his last goal where he just kind of took it um, near post, blasted it through, goalkeeper didn't have time to react. Um, just, you know, it, it gives it gives you, you know, hope. I know we've been you know, down kind of a weird patch of form scoring, scoring scrappy goals, but it gives you hope that this is how the team can play in a more open setting against a team that, that 
clearly wants to play football and uh, is not going to man mark our players. Wink, wink. But uh, this this was a fantastic team goal. Hazard and Pedro combining with Costa to, to make it work. Uh, and just his, his stand-up play on the ball, too, as he was bringing that in the box, the way he kind of worked through those two or three defenders was – what we had seen him do in the first half of the season and what we have not seen him do as much in the second half of the season. So uh, nice to see him score. Nice to see him. Uh, you know, he's still on the top of the goal scoring list. Probably will not catch uh, Lukaku, uh, but does have an opportunity to uh, make one late surge here at uh, claiming at least third place on the golden boot race. Well, obviously he just took a note from last week and was like, wow, people really shit on Matic. He scores a goal. They love him. I should just score. And he did twice. I mean, now everyone loves him again. Like, Diego Costa is our favorite striker. It's like we forgot what he could do. But unfortunately, in the 94th minute and stoppage time of the second half, uh, Chelsea again just on autopilot. The team clearly felt obliged to also allow Champions League winning Ryan Bertrand to get his goal as well as nobody tracked his run through the middle of the box and he coolly finished a glancing header to the far post, Dan. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's another moment where we switch off and fortunately it was not one that was of major consequence you know if it had been uh, maybe a little earlier in the second half and you know it was a either a 2-2 or a 3-2 game at that point it might have been a little bit more nervy uh, but at that point I think everyone was just thinking about the fact that there's a really, really, again, it's a short turnaround to a trip to Everton and, you know, there's another game to focus on there. So I think it's, you know, these little lapses in focus, which we'll continue to kind of think about is how do we minimize those mistakes and, you know, not allow people to run, you know, majorly unmarked into the box. So we got an Instagram message from Arithmuggle, uh, Arithmuggle. Anyways, they want to know if any of us read into Costa's celebration holding his hand to his ear towards the fans on that goal. Nick, uh, did you see it? I guess any kind of inclination to comment on it? Um, no. I mean, I think that you know, he's probably feeling the relief that we're feeling. Uh, I, Diego's celebrations are as passionate as any player in the world. So, you know, it's in the moment, I think that he's just a passionate dude. And, you know, I don't know how much he can read into his celebrations. I mean, it's it's Diego. I mean, Dan, obviously he knows people are talking about him. And I think it's just he shows he cares like and he wants to do well. And it's like, look, I'm working hard. I'm putting it out there. Yeah, I think, you know, people tend to forget about all the off the ball movement that certain players have to do. And you think Ed Hazard, 15 goals in the league for the season, uh, the best contribution he's had for Chelsea in Premier League games since he's come to the side. And, you know, a lot of that freedom, you know, has come at the expense of Diego getting, you know, single or double marked and, and drawing and absorbing a lot of that. You know, obviously he has not been clinical in front of the goal when he's had opportunity, but you look at what happened in this game when there was distribution and service and you know Costa really had a chance to remind us of the quality of the striker that he is and I think he he just wants to like anyone else he wants to be recognized and praised for the work that he does and you know I think it's 
unfortunate that the memory of fans is as uh, small as the moments between one tweet to the next. And I think that's, that's the challenge is we have to remember that, you know, players are not uh, automatons and they're not uh, robots and they are going to have, you know, streaks, you know, hazard had a streak last bad, bad, bad streak last season and now he's you know everyone's favorite player this year um i think the only person who's probably immune to that is n'golo Conte. so uh you know you might need to check and see if he's a robot uh dan do you mean pfa player of the year n'golo Conte? Hey, is that who you're talking I about yeah I, I do i do mean <coughs> pfa player of the year n'golo Conte. i was gonna say clearly hazard's not everyone's favorite player you know what i mean <laughs> Don't be awkward between teammates, Brandon. That's just rude. Absolutely not. Hazard even said that if he won it, <laughs> he would have taken N'Golo Kante up with him. Obviously, there's no way Kante would have let that happen. He's too shy for that. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump into some questions here. What did you think about the 3-5-2 formation that included Fabregas in the middle, Hazard and Costa up top, with a Pedro and William on the bench, Nick? It was interesting. I mean, the uh, the previous two times we've rolled this out, it has not been as as uh, fluid or successful. So I think that is a uh, a major uh, concern, probably that Antonio Conte had. I mean, when you look at you know he brought those three off the bench, uh, Fabregas, uh, Hazard, and Costa on on the weekend. It was it was almost certain they were going to start this game. So it's just kind of how how you configure them to be the best team i think that fabregas found a lot better and more space this match if that makes any sense um to to pass the ball he was legendary in in some of these passes in the first half i mean just tremendous so uh, i think you're maybe looking at you know as you saw the 343 in the beginning of the season you might see another kind of transition uh, into a, a forward looking lineup that includes two strikers or a combination of forwards in in the next few matches well, apparently the stat was, I guess not really stats, just the results were the last time that Fabregas, Matic, and Conte had all played, Dan. We had lost both of those games. So, uh, you know, whatever. Consider it what you might. Um, but what about you as far as the team is playing? I mean, any concern that Chelsea seemed a lot more likely to score from only set pieces today than open play? Yeah, I think the problem with the set pieces is it's not just this match. It's, you know, been, you know, Christian Eriksen with the Spurs. You know, we just have seemed to switch off or not be, you know, as organized. Uh, you saw Cahill kind of really, you know, Remanaging, kind of rejiggering the location of players, and it never seemed to appropriately situate. Uh, when we went through and leaked that first goal. Um, I, you know, it's, it's a couple things. Height, you know, when you have a Conte, a Fabregas, a Hazard, um, you know, all on the pitch together, you know, you're you're losing a little bit of that, you know, height that you'd like to have in the team to be able to kind of mark some of those players. Um, but you know, I, I think. To the point Nick made around Fabregas, you know, the way he was turning and spinning and he and Conte were working together to really get the distribution of the ball forward definitely was something that, uh, you know, made this a very attractive looking lineup. Well, I think that if we kind of look at this, I wonder if um, it was just all tactical or if Conte is maybe still trying to find a way to play 3-5-2 next season. You know, the other thing to think about is that, uh, you know, obviously, William and P- 
Pedro played last weekend against Spurs, short rest. Hazard and Costa only played 30 minutes, so they're probably a lot more fresh. But, you know, the way it goes is 69 goals scored this season, and we've got 13 in the last five Premier League matches. Diego Costa, obviously, at 19 goals. Hazard, 15, having his best goal-scoring season ever. Uh, then you've got Pedro, 7, Williams, 6. So, I mean, the offensive is, is clicking quite well as we kind of go into this home stretch. And Nick, I think that's something that's important because this is the worst point of the season to go on a, you know, a dry spell when it comes to scoring goals. Definitely. It's also the worst point of the season to give up a bunch of goals, which it it seems to be our MO lately. Um, Team could not figure it out from, uh, from set pieces defensively, which I think is just a, a major concern looking forward. But at number five uh, on, on our goal scoring chart to get back to this really quick, uh, Mark Alonzo and Gary Cahill, uh, two influential figures uh, in the team. Uh, just I think the, the spread of goals around this team kind of shows you the diversity and the attacking prowess that kind of exists at every level, which is is pretty special. Well, let's see. Chelsea are second, still second in the table to total goals scored this season. Only one behind Liverpool. Pretty impressive, Dan. But, you know, unfortunately, not only is there an offensive side to a team, there is a defensive side of every team. And Chelsea have now gone 11 Premier League matches without a clean sheet. This is the longest run since the 1996 season when Chelsea went 13 matches without a shutout. So, Dan, does this concern you? Or are we less concerned since it's the end of the season and it's all about the three points? I think it's still a concern because when you think about the players that we have on this team, Gary Cahill, Aswell Quetta, and David Louise, uh, I don't think that any of those players are going anywhere in the offseason. So, and I, I wouldn't expect Courtois to go either. So if we're talking about the defense that we're playing currently is going to be some of the same players that we see fielding a lineup week in, week out, or, you know, with some rotation of a Nathan Ake, a Kurt Zuma, a Christensen, potentially an acquired player like, you know, Van Dyke or something. We need to figure out what the, the opportunity is there. You know, I think there is some element of lack of rotation, you know, that we've kind of seen, you know, look how, you know, sharper Gary Cahill looked at this match versus maybe some of the previous matches um, because he had had an opportunity to rest. And it was nice to see Nathan Aki kind of jump in, you know, this last game. But it's going to be down to rotation. It's going to be down to to coaching with things like set pieces and figuring out how we stop those goals from going through. Because the the open play goals have actually been something where you you saw the shots that Southampton attempted today from open play, and they were either getting uh, blocked, they were potentially getting uh, you know knocked out, they were getting uh, you know rebounded off of, of players essentially. So we we did enough to crowd those channels. It's just for some some reason when it comes to how we're planning around set pieces, it's it's not been as effective, and I think that's going to be the the thought. And I'm I'm sure. Uh, what the video is that the team will be watching between now and the the start of the Everton match uh, from Conte and company. Nick, any specific player causing concern to you or just maybe mental breakdowns kind of sporadically through the entire defensive unit? 
Uh, Ugo said on Facebook that he is concerned that pretty much if you just continue to cross on Chelsea, you're going to get at least a couple goals. I mean, is it that simple? What do you think? No, it's not that simple. I think Chelsea also play a zonal marking scheme on set pieces that, you know, it has obvious holes to it, but generally covers more area. So, you know, if you haven't done any um, deep digging into what zonal marking is or, or how it works, I mean, I would just encourage you to go and do that. I mean, it, uh, largely, and it's not that we never question Antonio Conte ever because we have this season, but uh I'm not a defensive minded football coach, so I largely trust his judgment. And, and, you know, when Diego's in the team on set pieces, he usually kind of serves as, as one of those frontline players to kind of deflect crosses away. Just wasn't happening today. I think Southampton, you know, to their credit also put in a a bunch of really good, uh, really good, uh, crosses and Ward Prowse was, uh, kind of the man orchestrating all of that. So, you know, again, I think as as we tend to do, Brandon, we all we have to you know reprimand our, our squad for not performing great at this particular task, and then also tip our hat to Southampton for putting in some pretty great crosses. Yep. Well, there's always that that you know issue of quality opposition. You know, I given up a bunch of goals, obviously in our last eleven games is cause for concern. Antonio Conte talked about it quite a bit in the press conference. But, you know, as long as we are absolutely clicking, I mean, four goals in the last two games, um, the second most out of any team in the Premier League, I I guess I'm kind of surprised that it might end up actually being our offense that carries us across the line. Because, you know, two years ago, we absolutely shut up shop and just relied on counterattacks. I mean, we defended and it was like one nothing was ideal with Jose. This season, it's a little it's a lot more expansive, you know, where even if we do defend and we counterattack, I mean, we are definitely relying on our offense to get us there. And I guess just from like a neutral or just even myself as a fan, I think it's a lot more exciting to watch. You know, it's a little bit more fun than watching, you know, Modic uh be a fourth center back and then you have, you know, Angola Conte and Fabregas in front of them. So um, I think it's going to pan out. I think we're going to, we're going to do all right, but, uh, definitely something obviously we need to keep our eye on. Let us know what you guys and girls think is the defensive issue at Chelsea right now. Uh, do you agree with Ugo? Do you agree with Nick? Uh, kind of, where do you stand on this? Obviously Facebook, Twitter, email, Instagram, happy to talk with you about that, but let's go ahead and take this last question to give credit to a player who has had a quite a bit of a roller coaster season just named in the PFA team of the year and was absolutely slated for it love him hate him or love to hate him Gary Cahill brought it tonight how did you feel Dan about his performance uh, of the captain header legend <laughs> um, well it's a you know the last four seasons he's also been named to the uh, PFA uh, three times so uh, as much as he does tend to get knocked around for uh, a little bit of uh, maybe some some misjudgment at time maybe you know putting a a goal past their own goalkeeper uh, you know I, I thought you know, outside of the moment where, you know, maybe some of the, the miscommunication for the, the first set piece goal, uh, he put, put in a great performance. And, you know, it's kind of crazy to think that 
you know, he has now risen to the fact where, you know, there's only one other defender in, uh, you know, the Premier League kind of history, you know, excluding penalty goals that uh, has scored more than him. And that's John Terry. So, you know, Cahill, you know, pops up in great moments, uh, definitely understands what it means to, you know, play for Chelsea and, you know, as part of that spine of winners. And so when you think about what the club is about to lose, in, in John Terry at the end of the season, I think it's very foolish or very nearsighted to kind of think about, you know, how, how do we just kind of immediately slot an Ake, Christensen, Zuma lineup in place of things like Cesar Aspilicueta, David Luiz, and Gary Cahill as part of that? Because, you know, there, there's a couple uh, a couple players who have scored less goals than uh, our current uh, on-the-pitch captain, uh, Gary Cahill. Isn't that right, Nick? Yeah. Yeah, there is. I mean, you look at, um, you know, a couple of United players, even Dan uh, Mkhitaryan and Pogba have only scored four goals this season, less than Gary Cahill. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne, for as phenomenal as he may seem uh, in FIFA 17, only four goals this season. Anthony Martial, only four goals this season. Ross Barkley, a goal scoring midfielder, only four goals this season. And, uh, you know, David Silva from City. Um, well, two goals a season. Uh, so you know, I, again, you you look at our goal scoring chart and you see that in in fifth place on our goal scoring chart is not a striker, uh, is not a midfielder, but you have Marcus Alonso who's our left wing back, and you have Gary Cahill who's our, our captain and our center back. Just shows you that um, there is talent beyond your basic positioning in this team and. Uh, Gary Cahill in his entire career has been a goal scoring threat. He comes up with, with great goals with his feet and he also knows where to put his head uh, when, the, when the time is right. Daniel posted on Facebook asking us about this. Uh, do you think we'll see Cahill and Ake split playing time over the next five games? He is a Captain Cahill fan and struggles to see why there are so many Chelsea supporters calling for Cahill's head. You know, I was really surprised to hear Dan say that Cahill's been in three of the last four uh, PFA teams of the year. That is really surprising. I'm sure we can guess which season he didn't make it. Um, (laughs) But, you know, you look at it, and he's been an absolute rock for Chelsea. Obviously, he had a horrible start to the season. Maybe he had a Euro hangover. But he has absolutely turned it around. I mean, he's night and day from the beginning of the season when he essentially had two errors that led to goals. Um, A point in the match that I thought was kind of, well, it was very, it was big to me, and this may go to what our current leader, John Terry, thinks of Cahill, was when JT came on as as our last substitute. Um, Cahill went over, tried to give Terry the armband. But JT wouldn't take it. It seems so weird to me just to see JT out there with the loose left sleeve and, you know, not taking the 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 armband from Cahill. I'm sure it's kind of awkward for him. It's at the end of the game, Dan. But I think this is also JT saying, no, you know what? Like, you got this. You've been here all season on the field. Like, you, you close this out. I think it's, you know, it's partners in crime right there. They were the duo at the back for, for so many seasons. And it's the, the class of both of these gentlemen, one to immediately abdicate the idea of having the band because of the others on the pitch and the other to have the 
moment to say, you know, this is not, you know, my time. This is about you and the work that you're doing on the pitch. And, you know, I, I think it's, and it, it, it it must suck to be a fan of so many other teams who don't have, you know, that type of chemistry or camaraderie amongst some of their players because, you know, this is, you know, Cahill and Terry were something special to watch together. And, uh, you know, I think from a sentimental standpoint, it's going to be really weird next season uh, not seeing John Terry and Cahill kind of chumming it around together. But, you know, I think if we're talking about players that are doing a nice, nice business as a team captain, uh, you know, Cahill has done a really nice job owning mistakes and, and setting a tone for what what is acceptable and not acceptable. And I think it's again, it's it's nearsighted to think that just because. Gary Cahill's on the roster that players like Nathan Ake, um, you know, like Andres Christensen will not get their moments because uh, we're going to be competing in four fronts next season. And uh, I think people are probably tired of me, Nick, Brandon saying that. But you you need depth. You, you can't continue to run one lineup the entirety of the season. And as much as Conte has done that this year, uh, next year is going to be much more difficult to manage. And it's going to require uh, minutes from those rotation players, uh, not just an appearance on the bench. Yeah, I would say, too, the, the one thing that other teams don't have as much as this team is, is perhaps selflessness. Um, you know, Antonio Conte mentioned that this week when he said he didn't want selfish players in the team. But um, after the week that John Terry had to get a, a few minutes in this match, I think was was great uh, for him personally. But I think also, you know, he is acknowledging, too, that, you know, this run is coming to an end and he doesn't need the armband on the field to still be the leader on the pitch. And, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of other teams with uh, personality issues, let's say, could uh, could learn a little bit from what just happened. All right, let's go ahead and can kind of wrap up this first part with our true or false question. Fabregas will break Ryan Giggs' Premier League assist record. And to help you guys out, Giggs is sitting at 162 assists and 663 appearances. Fabregas is already at 103 assists in less than half the appearances at 307. Uh, He obviously just passed Frank Lampard, who's at 102. But what do you think? True or false, Nick? Uh, False. I don't know if he is going to be in the Premier League that long. I mean, we're, we're asking him to get 59 or 60 more assists to break the record. And he has 103 up to this point. Uh, I mean, one in every three appearances almost, which is fucking crazy. Good for him. Um, it, it is clear that if he had played his entire career in the Premier League and not uh, done his thing in La Liga for a little bit, that he would be nearer that record. But I'm going to say false for now. Yeah, I'm going to say false, too. The math just doesn't work on that one. If we think that he plays one to two more years as a member of Chelsea or in, you know, within the Premier League, um, which I imagine would be with us, you know, we're saying that he needs to get you know around 60. Let's just maybe say a little less, maybe say 50, you know, kind of say that he gets you know 10 more with the remainder of the season, which, again, would be extremely high. Um, that's 25 a year. And 
given the amount of minutes and the rotation, and maybe he's an FA Cup, uh, EFL Cup kind of guy and not in our Premier League squad, that, that's all going to be in there. And the, the math doesn't work on it. Do I think he will continue to set a pace to, you know, and kind of get some more? Absolutely. But I think Giggs' record is, is pretty, pretty stable right now. I don't think he's looking over his shoulder too much. All right, uh, I'm I'm gonna give him true. I'm gonna give him a little a little incentive to keep on going, Fabregas, uh, especially if he sticks around with this Chelsea seat. You know, time it could be a it could be a wild ride for the next few years for him. He's uh, definitely, especially if he can stay in kind of a uh, a roving position. You know, kind of like take on the Pirlo role as he gets a little bit older in a couple years. Hey man, he's got a chance. Definitely has a chance. So, any other thoughts in this match though before we wrap it up? Uh, any additional thoughts or comments you guys might have, Nick? Uh, we'll start with you. Uh, I would say that Southampton uh, played football today, and at the end of the season, I, I know that there's always the question of, you know, is the team on the beach or are you know are their heads in the right place to play a match and keep it competitive. Um, spirit about the league. Uh, Southampton came to play today, uh, and, and I think it's a credit to them. I think it's a credit to their manager, to their players. I mean, it's always, it's never easy to see some of your former uh, players come back to the bridge, but um, Bertrand and, and Romeo have kind of staked their claim in the Premier League now uh, for a few seasons. And, uh, you know, I, th- I really just want to tip my hat because that, that was not an easy match. And I know Antonio Conte is going to take a lot of learnings from it. Yeah, I think Nick brought up the point of selflessness, which has been branded around uh, this week after Conte's comments around you know Hazard and, and does he shoot, does he not shoot? And I think you saw that from Hazard post-match when he was giving his interview and they were congratulating him for 15 goals and, and what does that mean for him? And is that you know kind of a goal that he had set in mind? And you know is he going to work to further that this season? And he really redirected about it's about winning the championship. It's about putting distance for between us and Spurs and it's about the, the team. And I think, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it's just so amazing. What's where we are a year later from where we were last year. You know, you think about the fact that you know we, we weren't even anywhere near 70 points last season. We got to 50 and we, you know, that was, that was an accomplishment and it was a Herculean effort and uh, we're closing in on 80 and we are in a, a really prime position to write our own destiny right now. And uh, man, this is special. This is a really special season and uh, I'm, I'm excited. It makes me even more excited to see what happens next year. Awesome. Let us know how you were feeling, fans, as we are just so, so close to the end of this Premier League season, sitting at the top of the table. But we got a man of the match poll, Nick. I mean, you know how this works. Uh, I always go to check and see what the official Chelsea FC Twitter account posts because, you know, a lot of times they post after us and they post the same players. You got three out of four today. They, uh, they almost copied you pretty completely. And that's got to give you a vote of confidence, right? Like, you're doing something right. <laughs> yeah, we, we still need to work on those licensing agreements with them. <laughs> um, although I'm sure they get um, not as much uh, uh, flack as I do uh, on the weekly poll. Who was their different one, Brayden? Just in, in curiosity. Uh, I'm going to guess that they had Cahill over, uh, over Conte. Oh, yeah, crap. You're right. Duh. That was an easy one I missed. Oh, well. Um, 
with our weekly poll, we have uh, 17% for Eden Hazard, 48% for Diego Costa, 26% for Sesk, which I thought was a good percent for him, and then 9% for Angolo Conte. I should have put Cahill in there. That's my bad. Um, you know, I just, again, it's the weekly Angolo Conte man of the match poll. So Diego Costa coming back strong, BB. Oh, big time. Uh, you know, absolutely everyone's ready to kick him out of the club. You know, we, we've kind of talked about this earlier in the season that, you know, we're we're trying to grow as fans and say we won the league in 14-15. We shit the bed 15-16. We're back at the top of the league 16-17. And then we shouldn't be so quick to jump on players. And, you know, Diego Costa has been in phenomenal form for the majority of the season. Obviously, people try to relate all of his woes back to the China deal and the bust-up with Conte. But Costa had a bust-up with Conte early in the season. Remember, he wanted to be subbed off because we were drumming some team. And Conte yelled at him. He's like, no, get back out there and do the job. I don't care if you're on a yellow. Like, do your business. So this kind of goes to the same thing. Like, we just want to step back and say, look, Chelsea have signed these guys. If they have played at a really high level once, and, you know, in this case consistently, we shouldn't be so quick to write them off. We can obviously say if they've had a bad game or haven't been doing great, but to, like, write Diego Costa off as he needs to be sold and move on this summer, I thought that was a bit harsh, Dan. Yeah, that was uh, way too harsh. You know, you think about the fact that, you know, these are players, again, who, you know, after the first goal, you see you know, Hazard point to the back of Diego Costa's, you know, jersey. And this this is a team that's working very hard to accomplish a pretty specific goal. And maybe not the goal that they had set out with in, in the beginning of the season as the, their mind, in their mind's eye, but has, you know, morphed into what it is. And so ultimately, I, I think... You know, we just have to be patient um, as much as everyone else to kind of watch what we do build and not you know, write our own narrative as to what people are thinking or feeling or doing or saying and ultimately just judge the action and behavior and the outcome on the pitch. That is the place where we can truly judge and assess kind of the effectiveness of a player. Well, Nick, I think you did a pretty good job with that this week so thank you so much for doing that uh, as it stands right now our magic number of points needed are we got to go to jake cohen for this one nick where do we stand uh jake tweeted out earlier a uh, friend of the pod uh really good dude statistician type uh always in the numbers nerd um, Chelsea's magic number by any combination of points won by Chelsea or dropped by Spurge, Spurs to clinch the title is now just down to 12, Dan, 12 points to win this freaking title. Uh, it's some good math. Those are numbers I like. And, you know, Spurs, obviously the pressure's on them to uh, see what they can do against Big Sam and Crystal Palace, you know, a little bit of a revival team right there, uh, though they are playing on a very, very shortened schedule against Spurs. Um, and, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, they have a derby this weekend. They're going to be playing Arsenal, who have uh, come back to life with their turn to a back three and Bellerin's Cornwall. So, you know, we're going to get a chance <laughs> to see them uh, be pushed just as well. You know, uh, three matches in 10 days for them. So. 
the math the math is good i like the math right now it's crazy how many games arsenal need to make up they've only played 31 uh most teams have played anywhere between 32 33 and even up to 34 so it's going to be hectic for them towards the end of the season as they sit in seventh but like i said three games in hand on everton in sixth uh, Manchester United in fifth at 32 points, or th- I'm sorry, 63 points. And then Man City, Liverpool, Tottenham make up the top four. Chelsea, obviously, it's a two horse race at this point. We always knew that um, for the last few weeks. So, with that being said, that is going to go ahead and wrap up part one. So much that we covered. Uh, thank you guys uh, for kind of adding in on some stuff. If we miss anything, tweet at us. Let us know. Uh, but we're going to take a really quick break. And you know what? We'll be back with your questions from social media. Here we go. So I don't know if you had a chance to check it out yet, Nick, but Brandon actually did a vlog, a match day vlog. We went to Brit's Pub where you and I had a chance to hang out in September earlier this year. Did you get a chance to catch that yet? Yeah, I was I was I was watching it the other day, and I was hoping that I saw those legendary Scotch eggs that they have there. Because dear God, were those delicious! Um, oh, those are so saw, freaking tasty. Yeah, I saw some familiar faces, maybe even even a legendary uh, TC Blue Lion uh, in the in the in the cut. So, uh, yeah, really great job by Brandon here. Did an awesome uh, vlog or video blog of, of the experience. Lots of great chants, some not so nice at Spurs fans, and you know that's okay too. Uh, but you should go to our YouTube channel, Dan, to, to check that whole thing out, right? Yeah, just London Blue Pod at YouTube is a great place to go. And uh, we're going to start trying to experiment a little bit more with video. So uh, I think you should subscribe there with a wink, wink, nod, nod. All right, Chelsea fans, it is time for your questions from the media of social Navaneeth has right off the bat on Facebook says, does this performance by Costa mean he is actually back? Or is just this just a good one-off performance and nothing more than that? I mean, Nick, come on, give me something to be excited about. I just defended the Brazilian Spanish guy. <laughs> um, I, I think it could be both. Uh, honestly, I, I think that you know the last time he got dropped, he came back and scored. So maybe you know, let's drop him again so he comes back and scores more I don't know uh, but I also think he plays really well against, against Southampton he, you know he got that incredible kind of long distance curler earlier in the in the season when we played at their place so um, I hope that he's back I mean god that would be that would be a brilliant thing to have for at least a, a couple more games to have his goals in the team and uh, you know his head focus where it should be which is is on winning the title Reed on Facebook asks, why can't William get a good run of games? He is too good to be playing only 10 to 15 minutes a night. Plus, he's always a threat on free kicks. If we continue to sit him, what's he going to do when United comes calling, Dan? Uh, Well, I think he's going to have to abide by the terms of his contract. And, you know, unless he forces his way out um, or, you know, he, you know, de- you know, the club determines he's a surplus to requirements, you know, I, I think that would be the issue where he-, he could manage his way out of the situation. But, you know, I-, I think William has a role to play within this club. And I think you're right. You know, the free kick piece is amazing. The the goal that he got with, you know, against Spurs this weekend was fantastic. Um his time will come and that time will come next year when again 
two, maybe even three games, you know, in seven, eight day windows uh, will be the norm. Uh, you are going to need high caliber players who would basically be a starter on, on pretty much any other team. You know, you look at what Real Madrid, Barcelona do, you know, they're not fielding their B side is better than most teams, a sides. And if we're considering ourselves one of the biggest clubs in the world, our B side has to be pretty much every other team's a side. Yeah. I would, I would quickly add to this too. I think that William uh, is probably apt to start a lot of away matches next year too, because I think that our threat on the counter against uh, teams at home is, is just incredible. And I think his speed and directness provides a lot of amazing options there in addition to his set piece specialty. So uh, don't, don't give up on William yet, uh, Reed. I know that you love him, but he's going to get plenty of opportunities next year. All right, Prince asks, do you see Batshuayi, Chalaba, and Ruben Loftus-Cheek getting game time if we win the league with games in hand? I think that we'd all like to think that yes, absolutely, but we're getting down to the point where there's not a lot of games left, and we still need 12 points between us winning and Spurs losing. So while Prince, I think in a perfect world, we would all like to see this happen, and if we do win with maybe a couple games left, I think Conte has already shown confidence and faith in these guys. He absolutely will. Uh, personally, I think Diego Costa is going to be parting the whole time, the second we clinch, and he might honestly not even be in, let's just say, available, fit to play those last couple matches. I mean, uh, those those Instagram stories are going to be pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, let's can we please one up Jamie Vardy's party from last year? I want to see Diego's party. Um, there, there's a famous story that Roger Bennett from Men and Blazers has where he has this dream where he's partying with Diego Costa and Diego somehow steals a tank and doesn't get into trouble and just is parading around the city. So I would love to see maybe not that extreme of a scenario, but something where he maybe has his own mini parade. Uh, from Twitter now, at EverPlayfulWind asks, good response from Costa. Does this mean he will remain at the club, or has his value just increased for you-know-what? Uh, Dan, I don't know what, so I'm going to pass it to you. Uh, I think he means a transfer offer from the land of China. Uh. And uh, I, I think if he had continued the season without scoring any goals, uh, that probably would have knocked uh, a couple of uh, dollars or euros or pounds or uh, yuan off the asking price. But I want, I want, I'd love for Diego Costa to stay. He's such a clinical finisher when he is in a run of form and I think the tough thing is to embrace someone who's struggling and struggling for a stretch of period or a period of time that we're not used to or not common to you know five games was the longest he had gone in a you know Chelsea shirt without scoring a goal and it was it was tough it was it was tough to wonder what was going on and again we can ascribe any narrative we want uh, within our own heads as to what the situation is but ultimately it's fixed and you know I, I would love to see him continue his run and get more goals in every remaining match of the season uh, you know just so he can kind of shut up a couple more of the haters because I, I don't think it's the people going to going to matches or truly kind of believe in this club and have been bleeding it a long time I think it's you know people who are just ready to jump on any rumor and 
it's it's tough. You gotta you gotta resist the urge to jump on the news and allow that to dictate how you feel about a player. I think you have to form your own opinion based upon how they play and not what you read about what they're going to do or not do. I'm sorry, you want me to form my own opinion and not take the mob mentality. Crazy thought, I know. It's it's super, super, uh, you know, it's a dated thought. It, you know, it really is bringing something from the annals of history forward into present day. But I guarantee it will work wonders for your sanity um, you know, and, and the rest of us. But what if it's easier to join the mob with pitchforks and, and spikes and not form our own opinions, Dan? Oh, but then, then you don't get a chance to enjoy like Diego just knocking off two goals. You know, then you feel like, oh, man, is it going to be harder for us to sell them now? Like, or, you know, like, I don't know what the narrative is that people want to craft after that. But it's like, oh, maybe maybe he's going to be off to China now because he showed that he can still score goals. You know, maybe he was going <laughs> to stay if he couldn't score. Like, I don't know. It's so, so cockamamie. Uh, uh, this thought process of wanting to ship off a great score, you know, goal scorer like that, that to me, you know, 50 goals, you know, one of the, you know, I, it's, it's, it's absolutely just annoying. And, uh, I'm, I'm really happy. I'll be really happy if either signs extension at the end of the season, or if he does leave, I will be very sad to see that happen, but we can end that narrative and they get really excited for either the, the hazard or, you know, Courtois or another rumor to kind of jump up. I, I think this will be the summer where Chelsea stops becoming a selling club of players in their prime who are successful, uh, which we don't tend to do in general anyway. Um, Oscar wasn't a successful player for Chelsea at the time that we sold him, yet we met maximum value on. I, I don't. I think it would be bad business for Chelsea to sell Diego Costa um, for a lesser talent in any way, shape, or form. All right. Well, there is your mic drop moment of the night presented by. No, I'm just kidding. Um, good stuff, obviously. We, I mean, we, we do need a sponsor for that, though. A mic drop moment of the night would be a great sponsor moment. We're open to it. Maybe even like a road mic company or something like that. But, um, you know, guys, I think that makes a lot of sense, obviously. Uh, and I know we're being a little satirical with it and just using satire to say. It's easy to kind of just instantly react and freak out and, you know, damn them and write them off. But, like, big picture here, uh, Diego Costa is a great player and he's going to come through for Chelsea. So, uh, next question at Brendan Morris 26. That's right. I said Brendan. Yeah, I, I'm, I see you. We talked. Sesk to be sold? Question mark. In my opinion, he stays. He seems to hold Conte in high regard and can still make an impact even in a sixth man role at times. Nick, what does this sixth man role mean to people who do not watch basketball? Uh, the sixth man is is your is your team support system. Uh, so, like, if if one of your starting five isn't playing well, the sixth man comes off the bench, takes care of business, is kind of widely regarded as a hero uh, in in most circles. Uh, and and yes, I think that this is, um, you know, if if Sesk is is willing to accept a role where he he may not start every match. Um, that he would still hold incredible value for, for Antonio Conte. 
All right, last one is via email from Eric, as always. He asks, do you guys think we may need to freshen up the back three as SP, Louise, and Kehoe have all played major minutes? What changes could you envision? Akezuma, even Terry? Definitely work to be done. Uh, well, I think with the injuries and the illnesses that have happened in the last week or so, Eric, we know exactly what Conte is going to do. He said, and he spelled it out, um, Ake is back up for Cahill. Terry is back up for David Luiz, and Zuma is back up for Aspilicueta. So if any changes happen, it's going to be one for one, just like that. Where it gets tricky is if any of the wingbacks go down and we have to rotate them, then clearly we don't have a plan B on the left side. Pedro can kind of fill in for Moses if we need, but you know what? We've only got five games left if, uh, or yeah, if... um, Cahill can come back from the hospital that quickly and play that well on short turnaround. I think that these guys are really going to be up for it. Again, as a player, when you're so close to winning a trophy or a title, uh, you have that extra energy and will to get yourself across the line, just that extra bit of motivation. So uh, I don't think Conte is going to freshen up the back three, even though we talked about it at length, what's going on with our defense. Uh, hopefully it's enough to uh, to see us through. I mean, what do you guys think, Dan? Anything else you'd like to add? I think you nailed it on the head there, Brandon. I think ultimately, you know, the rotation of that bunch is only going to occur at this point if uh, if we lock the title up. You know, I think Conte has shown uh, a loyalty, uh, you know, maybe you know, to some for some perception to a fault to a, a very uh, stringent back three unless change is forced upon him um and i think me maybe you know I, I also don't think he's the type of guy who's going to want to lose even after you know if, if the title is secured i think he'll want to win the remaining games that we potentially need so I, I again i don't think it's a wholesale change kind of situation i the only thing that i think is almost a guarantee is if the title is locked up that uh, jt does get some more minutes um from a starting perspective nick same Z's. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take our final break before we wrap this episode up with our preview of Everton. Here we go. Hey, uh, hey, Dan, is anything particularly exciting happening next week? Can, can you think of anything? Uh, I think I have to take my car in for service. Um, yep, yep, yep. Probably some meal prep for the week. Um, laundry. Fam. Yeah, you all know. those yeah, all those important <laughs> things to do. Um, do you think that maybe there's something you're missing right now? Oh, well, we are going to England, uh, so oh. I think that is going to oh. be an exciting moment. I think we're going to do a lot of uh, you know events. I think we're going to do some really cool things. We're going to see we're going to see the Middlesbrough match, which uh, you, you know could be a very pivotal match within the course of the season. And uh, I think our Instagram channel is going to be blowing up. Yeah, I think we're going to probably create some content um, to keep people abreast of our situation while we're over there and make sure that we're we're all safe and drunk and happy. But uh, on the real, you should follow us at London Blue Pod. Brandon has done a great job of, of crafting some unique content for that channel, content that you will not find anywhere else. So you should go there uh, and then follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. We're going to do some live streams and, and really, uh, really do it up while we're there. So major shout out to X tours again for kind of helping us put this entire package together and uh follow us on those channels 
All right, here we go. Part three, match preview time. We're going to be taking on Everton in the Premier League over at Goodison Park. It'll be this coming Sunday, April 30th. Talking points, gentlemen. As the form guide goes, Everton are in better form than Chelsea. Just kidding. We've got three wins, but they've only got one loss in their last five. So uh, they just drew West Ham away 0-0. Not the best result from what we've seen from Everton this season, Nick. We obviously talked about them being in sixth place in the Europa League spot above Arsenal. But Arsenal have games in hand. We would expect them to go ahead and leapfrog Everton back. But this is another bogey fixture that you actually predicted a couple weeks ago that Chelsea would lose. Yeah, I, I thought of of all the fixtures we had remaining that this would be our, our toughest. And uh, historically, we have not played well at Goodison Park. So that was kind of my rationale. Uh, I think based on form and especially what I saw from Everton last weekend against West Ham, that there, there may be something still to be uh, to be received out of this game if you're Chelsea uh, to be earned. Um, so we'll see. You know, I think that we have to tighten up the set pieces um, big time if we're going to get anything out of the game. Uh, and then I think you're going to. Uh, look at maybe uh, maybe some rotation coming back in, maybe a William, maybe a Pedro, um, you know, and, and trying to figure that out too because there are some leggy folks playing three matches in um, in uh, in eight days. Dan, as we look at it, Everton's had a, I mean, they've had a good season. Obviously, Romelu Lukaku is having a fantastic season. Uh, Barkley has done well, even though neither of them are willing to sign an extension at Everton, but, you know, that's on them. They're sitting at 1.76 average goals per match to Chelsea's 2.09, so obviously you feel like we have the edge, and I would say that, well, before this last bit of a wobbly run, our defense overall is much better. Obviously, they lost Seamus Coleman to that nasty leg break in the last round of international fixtures. Uh, Robles and goal, not the most convincing, but you know, they've got they've got a lot of weapons going forward. Yeah, I, I think beyond anything, I think the narrative piece here is that one of the best games that we've played this entire season uh, was played back in November against Everton at Stamford Bridge, where Chelsea mopped the floor with them in a 5-0 win with some of the the sexiest you know football on the planet. And if I were, you know... Ronald Koeman, and I'm trying to motivate my side for this match. All I'm doing is forcing them kind of clockwork orange style, uh, strapping them in the chair, making sure those eyeballs are open and watered and forcing them to watch that game over and over and over and over again, because I think that's all the motivation they need to go out and want to do everything they can to disrupt our quest for the title. So I'm expecting, even though they did not look threatening versus West Ham, which was quite, quite shocking. I think that they're going to be super up for this game. And I think it's going to take a lot of mental resolve to, to force a win or even a draw out of the situation. This is actually, I think the, one of the first times that Chelsea haven't had the majority of top players in each category. Romelu Lukaku is the leading scorer. So he's got the most goals. Ross Barkley To be fair, he's tied with Fabregas and Pedro on eight assists. Uh, 
Dave has the most passes, but check it out. Idrissa Gay, Nick, has more tackles than PFA Player of the Year, Engolo Kante. Yeah, that is, that's shocking. Um, Idrissa Gay has had a, a phenomenal season. I think he was a, a tremendous pickup for uh, for Everton from Aston Villa. Uh, Romelu Lukaku um is a phenomenally talented striker uh ross barkley has hurt us before in midfield uh you know these are all recipes for um you know potential failure but uh when you look at you know right under those lines diego costa and ed nazard sus fabregas and pedro Conte and Matic, Conte and uh, Azpilicueta, uh, goals, assists, passes, and tackles, respectively. Uh, our squad is pretty pretty talented, and I, you know I don't think they're going to back down from this challenge at all. Well, as we kind of look at you know the strengths of each team, one thing that kind of concerns me, Dan, or is something I just I'm aware of, is that Everton are good at coming back from losing positions. You talked about how they're not going to give up, and this is going to take a lot of effort. They attack wide. They like to get the ball out at their wings uh, and then get a lot of service into Lukaku. I know we absolutely smashed them at home. Um, they kind of want to stay in that Europa League spot as well. So they've got, you know, still some motivation for this game, but there's always goals against Everton, I feel like. Thankfully, we had all of them last time, but last season, even when we had a terrible season, we lost 3-1 away at Goodison Park, and then we tied 3-3 at home back in January. So I just, honestly, I'm expecting their, the way our defense has been and the way our offense has been, like it's not going to be surprised me if this is like another 5-3 like two seasons ago. Yeah, you know, uh, a four-two victory to Chelsea would not be out of the question <laughs> given our, our current run of form. And hey, maybe it's Lukaku who, who nets those two in the you know eighty-eighth and ninety-fourth minute or something. And you know, just reminds everyone that uh, he's got some good first touch before uh, Chelsea pick him up in the uh, in the off season. All right. Well, we'll kind of see what the lineup is now that. Uh you know, Pedro and William obviously going to be a lot more fresh again hitting into this game. I think it'll give us a better idea if Conte is going to go ahead and rotate his attacking players as the season winds down. Obviously, the back uh, five, six essentially are going to stay the same as much as possible. But another big fixture 12 points is the magic number to wrap this one up. Uh, if everything goes perfect, they could win the Premier League mathematically when we're there. But that's a tall order, so we're not going to count our chickens before they hatch, Nick, are we? We are not, Brandon. That's not what we do on this podcast. All right. Well, I appreciate the support. But with that, we are going to go ahead and wrap up this episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, another long, phenomenal episode. When you're winning this late in the season and you're in first place, it's hard not to just bask in it with everything. So, Dan, we're going to do final thoughts, and I'd like to kick it off with you. I think that you you kind of said exactly what I was thinking. It's it's a moment to just sit back and enjoy. And I think we, you know, there's a lot of, you know, stuff that goes on in our, our daily lives and our, you know, kind of the world. And, you know, there's there's not good things. But, you know, in this moment, you know, in this season, a lot of things have gone really, really well for our side, for our, our coach, for our players. Uh, Golo Conte, you know, PFA Player of the Year, Eden Hazard, you know, runner-up 
probably you know football writer association uh, player of the season given some of the the journalists we follow and and their comments or tweets that they're kind of issuing out in, in cryptic manner uh, i mean you know it's, it's easy to be upset about players not starting or you know certain people getting you know seated and, and not getting a chance to make in the rotation but this this is this is magic in in every way and shape and form of the word and you know it's going to take i think someone a long time to to unpack exactly what dominoes fell and what order to put this season together and the best thing that you can do is just kind of remember where you were and what you were doing when you when you were enjoying it and not kind of reflecting upon what what didn't happen or didn't go well Nick, good luck following that up. Yeah, yikes! You're, um, you're welcome, Nick. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, man. It's like it's like they they wasted a good surprise on me. Um, <laughs> so uh, I would I would quickly uh, shout out um, Chelsea and America. I know that while we are we're heading over to London, uh, the Shed and Blues are heading over, and uh, a few other fan groups will probably be over there as well. Uh, we cannot wait to see everybody uh, again. We are having an event at the Atlas Pub on May 6th from 7 to 9 p.m. All are welcome. So please, please come and join us. Uh, we are we are sure to have one hell of a night out. And uh, and yeah, I mean, please just uh, if, if you're a, a follower in the UK and you want to come meet us, um, you know, we are available via Twitter DM or, or Facebook message or whatever carrier pigeon you want to you want to get to us so um beers or beers are on tap and we'll uh, we'll make sure we have a good time all right well again thank you guys all for listening uh appreciate the support you've all given us we're going to pay it back as much as we can with this trip to london we are virtually going to take you with us if you haven't been uh, I have so much gear and things ready to pack that we are going to document as much of it as we can because we understand how special of an experience this is for fans outside of the UK. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, thank you again for another fantastic episode this week you guys are the best listeners and we appreciate every single one of you so with that being said until next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high all right chelsea fans that is a wrap for this week don't panic though as we'll be back after chelsea's next match so to be sure you don't miss it subscribe on itunes and follow us on twitter at london blue pod until next time chelsea fans keep the blue flag flying high